The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome to How Bitches Are Made. I am your host, Rachel Melvin. I hope everyone's week is off to a very great start and that everyone had a wonderful weekend. Um, I'm just going to address something that you might hear periodically throughout this recording. For those of you that don't know, the high desert is the subject of high winds. I'm talking 35 to 65 mile per hour gusts, and it's pretty much, I don't know, 300 out of 365 days a year. It's very windy here. Um, You might hear some things rattling like that, case in point. Thank you, universe, for accentuating that point. (laughs) Um, But don't worry. We're going to have another amazing episode. I will tell you, this episode's about regret. There's a little bit of silver lining in it, just like every down moment. There's peaks and valleys. We can get to the peak after having gone through the valley and the valley gives us the skill set and the tools that we need to make that climb up to the peak. Um, Without further ado, here's this week's story. I've been thinking about my grandmother a lot recently, finding myself in situations only she could make me feel better about. Just remember, she'd say whenever she knew I was nervous going into an audition, they put their pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. She never wanted me to feel less than anyone, no matter how powerful they or their position seemed. If ever I didn't get a job upon hearing the often bullshit reasoning, she'd say, What is wrong with them? Those bozos, they can't recognize quality talent when they see it. I used to think she was biased when she said things like this. I've since realized she was right. And if ever someone got the best of me, she'd quickly remind me to keep your chin up. Don't let them win. I never really gave those supportive comments the credit they deserved. I just assumed that was what every Chicago Italian grandmother says to their grandkids, no matter how insignificant, untalented, or unremarkable they were. I never allowed those phrases to have the power they did, and as I think back upon them now, I only wish I could hear them again to get me through this point in life. I long for those moments when my grandmother's name would light up my phone, and I beat myself up for choosing to continue to listen to the podcast I was over answering her call instead. All because I assumed there'd be another, until finally, one day, there wasn't. Young blood thinks there's always tomorrow. As much as I hate to admit Justin Bieber is right, he is. It's ironic for one who perpetually lives in the future to overlook the fact it's not guaranteed. And so instead, I'm now holed up in the past, harping on lessons I wish I'd learned sooner, so I could drink in and savor moments I let slip by. My grandma was like a third parent to me. She lived with us for nearly 20 years, and she was always there. I mean, always. To the point where you take that luxury for granted. I never realized how much I really did have in common with her. I never realized how much of a friend I truly had in her. I never realized how I was throwing away the gift of her life being in mine. I missed what should have been obvious, and when I think about why, it wasn't because I wasn't necessarily aware of life's fleeting moments. It's because I didn't prioritize things correctly. 
I spent so much of my life pursuing my career and trying to gain financial stability that I was never really there. I was never present. I was always, after this happens, then that can happen. And once this happens, then that will happen. I've been in that tunnel vision, one-track mind since the moment I graduated high school and moved to LA. And the only thing that continuously happened was movement. No rest, no pause, no break. Never. I remember her asking me to stop even, but I didn't believe that I could. She begged, and I didn't listen. Recently, Kevin and I were two weeks away from hitting a momentous finish line. The moment when my then-that would finally materialize, and everything, everything I'd been through would have been worth it. Then, boom. An unforeseen roadblock that ruined our entire trajectory. The then-that, like all the times before, evaporated into thin air. That's when I realized what my grandmother had been trying to tell me all along. There will always be something that hinders, delays, or prevents progress, and usually at the most inconvenient times. We often think this is because life is just designed to be cruel and difficult, but it's not. It's not because the universe has a sick sense of humor or because it's out to get us and make life as unbearable as possible. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's to get us to stop and see why there might be a need to pause in the first place. There will always be something to do, something to work on, something to get off of our to-do lists. But there will never be quality time spent with our loved ones if we don't ever make it. And at a point in my life when I feel I'm at my lowest, when I'm convinced the world is against me, I choose to see this interruption as another call from grandma. And unlike countless times before when I'd prioritized working over answering her calls, this time I answered. In fact, the freakiest thing happened. The other night she came to me in my dreams. Caught bouncing between my subconscious that was conjuring up very real conversations with her and my conscious mind, who was very quick to remind me could only be a dream, I woke up that morning missing her voice. Her voice, her laugh, her grit, her unwavering support and protectiveness. Then, just as I stumbled into the kitchen, I got a group text from my mom addressed to the entire family. She told us she had kept grandma's number and phone all of this time, but the number would now belong to my dad. Don't be startled when someone picks up, she said, though I'm sure grandma would if she could. The timing was strange enough to keep me from even responding. Suddenly, my dreams didn't feel so much like a dream at all. They felt like another way of her trying to reach me because she knew how badly I needed her to. The truth is, life is pretty insignificant. Money, careers, goals, accolades, homes, cars, degrees, politics. None of it is real. None of it matters. We're here and then one day we're not. How do we really want to spend our days in between? I think the thing that burdens me the most is thinking about how little my grandmother did with her life. She never traveled. She never loved, much less dated outside of my grandfather, who died the same year I was born. She never had a career. All she had was us, her family. And more often than not, especially toward the end, she barely had that either, because we were all too wrapped up in what ultimately doesn't matter. There are too many questions I didn't get to ask, so many aspects of her life I'll never know now, all because I was living in the future, completely unaware that one day, my future would exclude her. In a world that is so aptly and relentlessly asking us to live outside of the present, 
distracted by fear in whatever sense, let's remember that time might heal, that it can never replace. It can't replace the feeling of my grandmother's skin or her fingers fumbling as she tried to hold my hand. It can't replace the song she'd make up or the laugh she gave me with the face she'd make after removing her dentures for the night. It can't replace her teaching me to make gnocchi at my apartment in Los Angeles or watching her flirt with gay servers to get free waffles at our favorite cafe. It can't replace her squeezing long phone cords in her hand as she talked to her family and friends for hours. Similar to how I nervously groped the ruffles of my childhood blankie in the same way. It can't replace the cards she'd send on every single holiday or the late night games of Boggle that often went until two in the morning. It can't replace her. We may not be able to speed up our recovery in mourning, grief, turmoil, or despair, but we can certainly make the most of being on the injured list whenever we are. I wish I would have spent all my times on the bench differently when she was alive, instead of fighting to stay on the court instead. But I refuse to make that same mistake in her memory now. People always say... The only regret you have in life is having regrets at all. I disagree with that. I think that regrets can be really rewarding and a really effective and useful tool moving forward in life. For instance, I mentioned that I just went up and saw my parents. One of the reasons why is their dog drowned. He was an older dog, but he got inside the gate that was around the pool and he fell into the pool when no one was home and, and he just drowned. And um, I think my dad was having a really, really hard time because he was blaming himself for not securing the gate properly. And his initial reaction to it all was just immediate regret, shoulda, woulda, coulda, all these things. And it's a really hard concept to grapple with because it feels like we should just be able to snap our fingers and go back in time. And I think when these moments happen, it's when we're confronted with a concept of time in the most real way because we know we have no control over it, none. We can't go back in time and make different decisions. We can't fix things, even though it feels like we should just be able to do that. I guess a good metaphor I can give is if... um. When you've been on your phone for so long or your computer and then you're just like used to deleting something and then you're like, oh shit, I didn't mean to delete that. Where's the undo button? And then you like actually do something old school where you're writing in pencil or drawing. This happens to me because I draw and then I make a mark that I didn't mean to. And then I'm like, oh, let me just hit the undo button. I'm like, wait, this is real life. I can't do that. Oh man, this sucks. I got to fucking erase it and like go back and redo it. And it's one of those moments where you realize the conveniences of modern day life and being swept up in it kind of make you ignorant to the realities of life, which there are some mistakes that can't be undone or they take a lot more effort to redo versus this virtual life that we're getting so comfortable living in where everything is a computer and we can just hit undo. So I think in these moments, we, we experience a lot of regret, particularly in grief, those go hand in hand that they call that bargaining but I think that we can go through a lot of regret in life and it's easy to be like oh yeah you know regret I, I regret nothing well that makes me a little skeptical of you then because if you regret nothing you're not learning anything that's the way I look at it um like I said regret can be a very useful tool so I went up to visit my parents because 
I heard my dad on the phone just wailing and I knew that they were in a lot of pain and they're also getting to an age where they're having to make an adjustment. They're going to be retiring soon and one of the things I do love about my living in the future is that a lot of times it will afford me this perspective that I wouldn't normally have otherwise where I can kind of put myself in the shoes of someone who's older than me. And I did this with my grandma a couple times too where I would experience their struggles in a way that made me more apathetic or sympathetic to them and more sensitive to what they're going through knowing oh man that must be really hard and so I've been kind of doing that with my parents the truth is they never lived alone and then when my grandma passed away my dog passed away shortly after then my sister's dog who was my dog's litter mate and now my parents other dog there's just been a lot of death and I'm sure a lot of you listening have experienced that too just given the nature of the last two years so there's that strain and grief on top of again what we've been talking about which is this fallout from COVID everyone having to make major life decisions uprooting their life losing their jobs moving away from their friends and family not being able to see their friends and family those people dying before they had a chance to say goodbye we're all kind of grappling with the aftermath of that now and it's it's compounded by all these other stressors that we're still experiencing that that are arising, not to mention the grief that we've had to kind of put on the back burner so we can press on and do damage control. So my parents have been struggling with the idea of retirement. Where are they going to live? Where is the best place to retire? What are they going to do? We've never lived alone. We'd kind of like to go move by our friends and, you know, have a social life that we haven't had in all these years of taking care of people. But we also don't want to move away from our new grandchildren and grandchildren that they might have through me and Kevin. They're going through a period of change and transition, which is always hard. And and then this happened. And I just knew it was a lot for them, not to mention it's tax season. So, you know, one of the things that they've always done is when I'm in a state of emergency or crisis, they've dropped everything and come down to see me. So I wanted to reciprocate that and I went up. It was 50% selfish and 50% selfless. And the selfish aspect came from regret. These moments that I really regretted having missed out on with my grandmother because of all this shit that I've since realized doesn't really matter because there's always going to be something to do. It's never, there's never going to be like, oh, once this is over, then, you know, we're in the clear. That just, it's not realistic. And I have found that the sooner you accept that, the freer and more powerful you then feel. I am not somebody that experienced death until the last few years, like in a very real up close and personal kind of a way. And what that taught me was to really, really actively focus on being present and taking advantage of the time I have with the people that I have it with because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And we shouldn't be spending the time that we're with somebody frivolously. Like, for instance, when I went back, I got into a discussion with my mom and I had this moment of awareness I probably wouldn't have had before, which is, look, I can engage in this conversation in a combative way to prove my point and risk then fighting with my mom to get her to have a wider perspective 
or I can realize that that shit doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But what will matter is if something happens in the next 48 hours and the last memory I have of my mom is fighting with her. Especially now, I feel, at least through what I've experienced, everyone's MO is to try to change everybody particularly everyone's way of thinking. But I don't believe it's coming from the right place. I feel a lot of people are acting out in frustration to what they're experiencing and they're being confrontational in certain aspects of life that are safe, like the internet, where they can feel like they're making a difference or they can feel like they're being heard under the guise of making a difference. But I think if people really, really, truly wanted to make a difference and a, and a true impact, it would be listening to other people and not having to prove a point, not trying to be right. Because a lot of what I see specifically when it comes to like the state of the world's affairs is all these people are fighting with each other over fucking social media. And it's like, why are you guys really doing that? You're just trying to prove you're right. And I think what we should be trying to do is just listen to all the different perspectives and scenarios. Because at the end of the day, none of this shit really matters. But what always tends to happen is there is some grave impact. And then we end up feeling really depressed and regretful and beat ourselves up over not knowing better and not making a difference. So there's got to be like a very focused effort that we assert in ourselves to be conscious enough to be present and also conscious enough to understand the concept of life, meaning we're not here very long. And if you think about the beginning of man before um, society was really established and we had all of these social constructs and foundations and establishments those things are very helpful I'm not about to make an argument for it being better before that happened but I will say there is still a caveman type mentality that we should be infusing into our daily life meaning we have to recognize that life is designed for us to experience it's a gift if you guys listen to the season finale of season one of how bitches are made I took mushrooms and I, I talked about, oh my God, I'm, I'm missing it all. This is the gift of life. I'm not experiencing what this world has to offer. In fact, I'm creating a smaller world within my own with this tunnel vision of all these things that I think are so important, but, but they're not. Because when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I wish I would have done this differently within my business. So I would have gotten promoted and this and that. Let me give you this example, because when my parents were driving me back to the airport, this came up. My mom was telling me how my grandfather that I never met, my grandmother's husband, he was in, I think he was in the military and he was about to get promoted but they wanted him to do things that he morally didn't agree with and so he said no and he he didn't get a promotion he got demoted and my mom was like you know that really sucks it's really too bad for him and I said you know I actually don't see it that way because I guarantee you he wasn't on his deathbed going oh you know I wish I I wish I would have just sloughed my morals aside and got that promotion life would have been so much better he was probably like, I'm really glad I did the right thing because I contributed in a very positive way to society and I can rest at peace knowing that I was effective in my human experience at both making the world a better place, 
honoring myself, who I am and what I stand for, and making the most out of this experience that I have. So all of these things that we place on such high pedestals, like the contributions we make in our career, the milestones we reach in our career, none of it matters as much as the people in our lives loving them fully and spending as much time as we can with them as possible. All of that other stuff can fit into your life, but you shouldn't try to make your relationships fit around your life. I think that's where we get into a lot of trouble and feel very empty and dissatisfied. And I know from my own personal experience, having spent so much time being sort of like a slave to my dreams versus coming out to the desert now and kind of doing the things that I actually find fulfilling. I can tell you that even though on paper it doesn't seem like I'm as accomplished or happy or successful as I'd like to be, I can tell you that I feel the most accomplished and successful than I ever have because of how I've kind of reprioritized my life. Going home to help my parents was incredibly fulfilling for me because it was, you know, I I did a lot of the things I wish I would have focused on doing more with my grandmother. My grandma is probably the biggest influence in my life as far as cooking is concerned. Um, One of my favorite memories I have with her is when she taught me how to make gnocchi from scratch at my apartment in Los Angeles. And whenever I would go back home, I eat very differently than the rest of my family and I always go shopping and I get food and I get enough food to make the food that I wish my family would eat more of for their health and my grandma always loved when I came in and I realized it's because I didn't have any other distractions for them in comparison to my parents I mean to where I could afford to spend more time cooking than my parents could so my grandma always got like really good meals consistently whenever I was home and she loved that I totally missed that until she died and I was like fuck if that had been more obvious to me I would have like gone out of my way to cook even more or make her be a part of that or teach her or bring her to the grocery store and tell her about the recipes and ask her about the recipes she used to make. I didn't do any of those things because I could never disconnect from Los Angeles or my to-do lists when I was home. And there's this one time in particular that I really regret, and it was, I think I mentioned it last week, where I was trying to deal with something for Airbnb, which is so, this was so dumb. Somebody wanted me to send them my book of recommendations in a PDF. And I was like, no problem. Well, (laughs) I don't understand the cloud. And apparently in uploading things to the cloud, I deleted them off my desktop, which deleted them off the cloud. And so I lost my whole pages document, which was like 70 something pages of like all the things I typed up for our guests. And so I couldn't send the PDF. And I spent like three hours stressing about it oh I have to respond to her in this amount of time where did it go I can't believe I lost everything and my grandmother was sitting across from me outside at the patio table and I just that moment haunts me I I do regret it because I feel like I was so wrapped up in my device and something that ultimately didn't matter I had this book at the house this person that I owed nothing to that I didn't know would have eventually seen the hardcover book at the house they didn't need the pdf right then but I chose to prioritize that over being present with my grandmother and that's like one of the last memories I have with her and that sucks 
It haunts me so much. So I did notice when I was back home this time, there were a couple times where I wanted to open my computer and like do things. And I was like, no, you're distracting yourself from being present with your family. Put the laptop away. And one of the things that I had done before I even got there was I didn't bring my laptop charger. Because I was like, if I don't have battery, I can't be on it. The point is, it's something that I, I was really wanting to put into practice when I went up to be there for my parents. And even just being there for someone else, it sounds so fucked up. But that was a practice. Taking care and not minding that that meant putting my own personal endeavors aside. So as far as regret goes, I think we need to kind of just like the stillness we talked about last week. We need to lean into it and not see it as a threat or something that we begrudgingly have to deal with and go through. There's no doubt that it's painful, but if we turn toward that pain, we can feel better a lot quicker than resisting it and we can get tools from it that will eliminate future regret through other relationships that we might have otherwise taken for granted. There are two other things that I really want to mention. I live my life and have lived my life trying to avoid regretting things. I now think about that a little bit differently because I think that inspired me to do things out of obligation as opposed to a genuine understanding that this was a better decision for me and my heart. You know, it's effective at making you do things. I don't know so much that it's effective at making you present which kind of defeats the purpose. I also think the things that I regret not having done are now things that I prioritize doing with the people that are still alive in my life. Asking more questions, getting to know about them more. Um, When I was just up north with my parents, I actually went through a couple memorabilia boxes and it was really cool to find this family tree that I made. I, I vaguely remember making it once I pulled it out. And I think the premise was, hey, make a family tree and choose one person from your family tree to interview and tell us about their life. And I guess I had chosen my grandfather on my dad's side. And so I turned the family tree over. It was this giant like poster board. And I turned it over and there was an 8x10 typed up um, report about my grandpa. When I interviewed him, I was way younger and I didn't really care. But I thought, how cool that there was this assignment in the first place because now that I'm an adult reading this I just got to learn so much about my grandpa and I never asked him I mean I did ask him those questions but again I did it in a way that I wasn't really present I did it as an obligation because it was an assignment for school but I'm so grateful for it because now as an adult wishing I'd asked those questions in a way that was born out of true earnest interest I get to read this report and and learn. And I had no idea he was in all of these wars. I had no idea the tasks he performed or what his responsibilities were. So it was really, really cool to read and just gentle reminders that those people are still with us and watching over us. Regret is really hard, particularly around death. And I I kind of want to explore regret outside of death because I feel like that's kind of been what I've been exclusively linking it to in this episode. But when it comes to death, someone had said this with regard to my dog that passed Murphy, actually. They had said, Murphy wouldn't want you to spend time thinking about all the ways you felt you failed him or let him down. He would want you to remember all the joy he brought to your life and all the happy times and moments. And I think it's super, super, super hard for us 
to actively do that. It's almost like we feel as though we need to feel the pains of regret in order to serve a penance in some respect. But I just, I don't think that the person that passed would want you to be beating yourself up about it. Not if they were a good person. Um, I think they would want you to, just like that person told me, focus on the moments that you spent celebrating your time with them. Focus on the positive times where, you know, they made you better or you learned something from them or with wisdom that they bestowed upon you and really focus on infusing those things into your life. Both myself and my mom have found ourselves repeating a lot of grandmaisms. we call them. My grandma had the funniest sayings. One of them I said in this piece, which was, just remember, those people put their pants on one leg at a time like everybody else. She also used to say when we were growing up, you know, we were so broke, we didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. And if you started to say something like, well, and kind of just when internalizing things, she'd go, well, that's a deep subject because you said the word well. She just had like all these really great pearls of wisdom. And rather than thinking about those and being sad about them, which admittedly is my first inclination, I get sad I won't ever hear it again or that I didn't let her know how much I appreciated them when I could have. Instead now, I choose to think of those and smile about them and know that my grandma is still with me and she did leave a mark and she did leave an impression and an impact on my life. And that would have been the most rewarding and satisfying thing at all for her to feel and know. And I have to trust that she does know that because when these little weird coincidences happen, like when I I mentioned my mom with the phone call, I now look at those things as affirmations from a higher power that I recognize as my grandmother, letting me know that she's with me, she's witnessing what I'm going through, she hears me, I'm all forgiven, all of these things. And the phone call thing was just very odd because, look, I know you could write it off as a coincidence and not read into it at all, but A, that's not as fun, and B, it definitely doesn't give me anything as much as choosing to believe that it's her does. That gives me hope, it gives me peace, it gives me lightness and I just think it's like a healthier, more effective vehicle for, you know, getting through this very difficult life and becoming a better person. And then I get to accredit becoming a better person to her because of what she instilled in me, passed down to me and ultimately left me with. With regard to regret in other aspects of life aside from death, um, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it all boils down to just look at we make mistakes and we can learn from them and apply those lessons in the future so that we don't make the same mistake twice. But I also think it's really important that when we're feeling the pangs of regret or remorse or guilt, that we acknowledge them, not just within ourselves, but that, you know, we get over our pride enough to address them and take accountability with other parties that might be affected or involved in that mistake or affected by that mistake. An area where no one does this, and they absolutely should, is on social media. I mean, people are so quick to talk out of their ass or be defensive or be accusatory. And they they do it, like I said earlier, under the guise of being a good person and wanting to make a difference. But here's the thing. 
when you want to make a difference, there are certain ways to go about it that actually cultivate making a difference. Shaming somebody for a mistake that they made is not a way to do that. It just makes you just as wrong, and it's actually perpetuating what is unhealthily circulating in the world currently. So something recently happened with me on Instagram where I saw somebody being attacked for speaking their truth, regardless of whether or not you agree with somebody's truth. I will never belittle, berate, or come at somebody, especially unprovoked or unwarranted, to tell them that I think they're a shitty human being and their behavior is unacceptable and they need to change. Because everything I just said would then be true about myself. Instead, you recognize you can't change somebody And if you have any hope to actually influence somebody, it would be by being compassionate, understanding, and listening, which I keep saying. If you cannot find it in your heart, head, or ability to be compassionate and patient and all these things, don't say anything. Just don't say a fucking thing because it makes you just as bad. So the thing that happened is there was this person that was on television that was kind of vilified. And when I was watching it all play out, I did not see him as a villain whatsoever. I saw him as being very honest about what he was attracted to, what works for him, what doesn't work for him, these things that, you know, he could improve upon. And he totally took accountability and totally just addressed his truth. And he said, look, this format didn't actually work for me. I was hoping that it would, but it didn't work for me. And what was funny for me is this whole show he was on was presented as an experiment. So that's fine. You opted to be a part of an experiment and it didn't work for you. That's what an experiment is, is to find out how it affects different people. But everyone else on the show had a different experience. And so they all kind of came at him and Kevin and I were watching it and I was just like, this is so ridiculous. So I reached out to him privately and I was like, hey, just so you know what you said, these these three things, please know you're not alone in those feelings and you didn't deserve the backlash that you got. Did I agree with everything he said? No, but I recognize it as being completely honest and also people being overly sensitive in today's times to where they cannot handle that honesty. If someone has a different opinion than you, that's okay. I don't know if you know it, but it's okay. It doesn't make you shitty. It doesn't make them shitty. It just makes you different and you don't have to interact with that person. That is your choice. Your choice should not be, my new mission is to change that person and make them agree with me and make them think what I'm thinking. No. It's your choice whether or not you want to engage in arbitrary bullshit that doesn't affect you. So I reached out to give this person actual encouragement and support and help because I recognized he was getting a lot of backlash and that can do a lot of damage to people, especially when they're not properly prepared to handle being in the spotlight. I think he ended up following me and we just followed each other. And then he had posted something and I liked it and made another comment um, on his picture. And then all of a sudden people started attacking me. And I was like, just noticing how hypocritical the things that they were saying were. And I was just thinking to myself, this is so stupid to even be caught up in this. Like, you, you guys don't know him. You don't know me. You think you know me because of a comment I made to someone that for all you know is totally taken out of context. And it it goes back to this mob mentality we have 
specifically when it comes to social media and the internet that is just so fucking out of control. And I just want to tell everybody that eventually, in hindsight, especially when you grow out of your 20s, let's say, or you find yourself in a happier place in life, you might look back at your behavior and really regret it and be really ashamed of that behavior, which is funny because in the moment, you thought the other person should have been shamed. In those moments, when we're feeling that regret of having said and done things that maybe we're not proud of, I would encourage you to address that, similar to how somebody in AA would go make their amends. Sure, you don't owe it to people, but it might actually, like, free your conscience up and make you a little bit lighter and happier in life just by, like, owning up to the mistake you made, allowing the regret or the feeling... So when something really bothers you, when you've said or done something and you can't let it go, it's because you have unsettled feelings of regret. So again, let's turn towards those and explore it and be like, okay, this regret is trying to tell me something. Maybe I'm ashamed of how I handled that. Well, rather than just be like, fuck it, I'll do better next time. Maybe just be like, you know, I should probably apologize to that person and take some accountability. Not only will you feel better, you never know what could come of it. That person might end up being your best friend. That person might know somebody that helps you down along the line when you get caught up into something like me and Kevin are caught up in. <laughs> so you just you just never know. This is one of those moments where I would say to use regret moving forward to kind of guide you. I know I mentioned it can be kind of an obligatory thing, but when it comes to like acquaintances or people that you just interact with in passing in society, like using that regret as a compass to be like, okay, I'm going to behave this way because I just am not really looking forward to having to look back on this moment being ashamed of how I behaved or feeling icky about it. You can use it as a compass that way to kind of navigate your way to influence you to take a beat, to gather your thoughts, deep breath, move forward, handle a confrontation differently in a way where you can look back and be like, I'm really proud of the way I handled myself. Because that pride will like propel you leaps and bounds in terms of growth and evolution and how your life kind of comes together after the fact. You will be rewarded cosmically, karmically in all the ways. You truly, truly will. That's not bullshit. It's just when you're contributing to bettering yourself you're bettering the world and then you're attracting a better world and inviting it into your own and so life just tends to go a little bit smoother and better and the same goes for being the one that's in the position of the forgiving right you can choose to not forgive somebody and harbor that bitterness and resentment for how they burned you or disrespected you or it could be like yeah none of this shit matters i really appreciate you being a really big person and coming up and apologizing let's move forward and move on with our lives because from your perspective that shit's just going to eat you alive holding on to that shit that doesn't really matter so Forgiving people for mistakes, guess what? Everyone makes mistakes, even you. So you should forgive because you'd want to be forgiven. Again, I just remind everybody, regret is this tool that we can use to really better ourselves and feel free. Otherwise, the other option is just harboring resentment and being a miserable piece of shit. I mean, really, it boils down down to that simple of an option <laughs> you're at the fork in the road do you want to use regret to be better and contribute more love into the world or are you just going to be a bitter person that harbors everything and takes it out on everybody else and used to contribute to the world being a really hateful awful place because i promise you in hindsight if you do the latter 
on your deathbed, you're going to be regretting not having let go of those things and enjoying life more. You'll just be haunted by that much more regret and you'll have less time to correct or better yourself. It's all very cyclical. So that's really the advice and feedback I have regarding this piece for the week. Yeah, if you guys have any stories you'd like to share about regrets specifically, please send them on over to info at howbitchesaremade.com. You can also always direct message me on my Instagram at the Rachel Melvin. And like, subscribe, share, rate, review. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you back next week. And remember, consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends. How Bitches Are Made is written and produced by Rachel Melvin. Rachel Melvin.